0: Uh, It's great to see all of you guys this morning. If you would turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. We are continuing our series B on the Sermon on the Mount. And so um, if you've been... uh, haven't been here over the last few weeks or it's your first time, we've been studying Jesus' sermon, uh, and and we find it in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And this was a very pivotal message for all of us to tune in on because it was a message to the disciples, those who stepped out of the crowd and said, Jesus, we're all in, we want to follow you. And this is his message to us who say, God, we want to be followers of you, disciples of you, not just uh, people in the crowd. So I'd encourage you, you can go back. If you go to joymedford.com, you can listen to past messages in this series and and see where we're at. But you know what? Today, God has something for every one of us here, even if this is the first message you've heard in the series. So let's turn to Matthew 6, verse 19. We're going to read a a big chunk of scripture and then dive in. So I encourage you to lean in, tune in, and um, you'll get some of your Bible reading today, right? And the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. We're going to tune in to verse 24. It says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. They're having fun in that kid's class. They're just… I bet you it's snack time, right? We'd all be screaming too, like, woohoo! Animal crackers! Woohoo! You know. Yes! Church is awesome. That's why you want to come back this summer to add The movie series, like, popcorn and church. Like, it's where it's at. They'll miss it. It says, therefore I tell you, verse 25, therefore I tell you, Joy Church Medford, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Verse 26 says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Anyone added an hour to your day through worry? Still trying to figure that out. It says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field... Which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, earth, NLT says, The unbelievers seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father, he knows what you need, that you need them all. And here's our key portion of Scripture But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. God, we love your word. We are so thankful for your word, and we thank you that it is life, it is truth, and it transforms us. So we ask, Father, you would speak to us this morning. Every person here, whether they know you or don't know you, God, we ask you to speak to us. We come humbly like children. Asking to learn from your word. Teach us your ways. God, would you touch every person here, Lord. Let them know how deeply you care for them. More than anything in this earth, you love your sons and your daughters. And God, I pray you would give me your words. Tell me to speak your word clearly today. We invite you to come have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You know, this morning as we get ready, and we just read about half of Matthew chapter 6, the second half. And if last week, Pastor Steve, he, he led us through the first half as Jesus is teaching, he's as Jesus is talking about the power of. The secret place with God. And Jesus brings up uh, three times he talks about the hypocrites. Don't be like the hypocrites. that They do all these things for show and glory. But but he he gives us the secret of of going to the secret place. Understanding that in the place of prayer. In the place of your personal walk with Jesus. In that place the the father already knows what you need. and and, 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 And seeking God in the secret place that he wants to meet with us. But the second half of this chapter this is one message Jesus is speaking he turns our attention to the public place. And as we get ready today we have to understand this is that God is interested not only in the private place but the public place as well. You see we don't just come to church and have this spiritual moment and this awesome moment with God and then leave and think that God is unconcerned with our everyday living. God is invested and concerned with our marriages, with our jobs, with our education, with our families. Like, God is invested in the public space just as much as the private place. And so when we come in, Jesus is setting us up and he's talking about, hey, don't store treasures in heaven. And and, and, and he begins to teach us and then he says, like, hey... um, Don't worry about your life because the world around you in the public place, they're consumed with worry. They're consumed with a pursuit of more. But Jesus is going to show us what our life should be concerned with. And so in this portion of Scripture, we we see three significant commands Jesus gives. From verse 19 to verse 34, we see three critical, significant commands that Jesus gives us. And the first one is this. Is that we, he says, lay up your treasures in heaven. Or the negative, uh, he says, lay up your treasures in heaven or don't store your treasures here on earth. He commands, hey, I'm commanding you, let your treasures be in heaven. And the second directive or command that we find that Jesus tells us as his followers, he says, do not be anxious, do not worry. He doesn't say it one time, he says it three times. Do not be anxious. Do not worry. We could leave church right now, right? How many of you guys are like, I just needed that, like, don't worry. Don't worry. Be happy. Jesus says, do not be anxious. And the third command he gives is seek first above everything else the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Here's the reality, church. It's the one who has our trust is the one in whom we will seek. The one who has your trust or who, what has your trust is what we will seek. If God has my trust, then I will seek Him. If If the world, if possessions have my trust, then I will chase those things. And Jesus says, he paints for us this picture. The one whom you trust is the one who you will pursue with everything. So question number one for us as a community is where is our storage unit? Where is our storage unit? Jesus said, do not store up treasures on earth where moth can Destroy, or moth can eat, and rust can destroy, and thief can break in. See, in this culture and in this time, the people were very familiar, when Jesus speaks of this, they were very familiar with this reality that their clothes would get eaten by moths. And no matter how well they stored their food, vermin and rats and mice would break in to eat their food that was stored up. And they could do the best locking up of their homes and their possessions, but the thief could break in and steal their things. See, in this culture, nothing was safe in ancient times. And Jesus came and he's like, why would you store up and put all of your energy and all of your pursuit in that which you can't even protect on your own? And even if you manage to protect it, it will never make it with you into eternity. And the danger sometimes we have, church, is that we can put our trust and think all that we have is safe because we have the best investment. It's invincible. We have the best ring security apps keeping us safe. We have the best medical, and we have the best this, and we have the best that, and we can place our trust in that which will never truly last through eternity. Where are we storing? What are we living for? What is it that we are giving ourselves to? Now, lest you worry that this morning's message is geared towards we're all moving into a commune, sell everything, and have whatever you wore today, you better like it, because it's what you got. (laughs) That's not where we're going this morning, okay? Don't worry. You guys were getting nervous. I saw the sweat coming, you know? I want to read a quote by Randy Alcorn. He says, when you leave this world, will you be known as one who accumulated treasures on earth that you couldn't keep? Or will you be recognized as one who invested treasures in heaven that you couldn't lose? The world's view is is how much can I get? How much can I accumulate? How much can I acquire for myself? But the kingdom view, the kingdom that Jesus came to establish, is how much can I give? How much can I invest and find waiting in heaven? How much can I serve others? In this portion of scripture, Jesus is not forbidding wise stewardship and savings. In the book of Proverbs, the ant is celebrated for storing up in the summer for the winter like Jesus is not uh, saying hey just be frivolous and don't care and don't worry and you no." Know, why stewardship is biblical it's it's encouraged. Jesus is not forbidding or speaking against the blessings and the good gifts that come from God the creator. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from above that God is the giver of good gifts. And the whole beginning portion of this chapter, Jesus is saying, The Father already knows what you need. He's got you covered. But what Jesus is speaking against is selfish accumulation of possessions. Like, when is enough enough? He, he's coming against the hard heartedness that doesn't care for the colossal needs of the world around us, that's indifferent to the needs. Against luxurious, extravagant living—that's never content, always striving for more—that's not enough. I gotta get more. I gotta get more. I gotta get more. It's never this insatiable desire for more stuff, more things, more status—and he's speaking against the materialism that tethers our heart to the world. And I would like to pause in this moment and say two notes. One, I am heavily convicted by this message. Everything that we will talk about this morning, I was sharing with my husband, Riley, over this week, like, this is a very difficult message to communicate, because I wish I could say right where you're sitting and just, God, get this in me. So imagine that I'm right with you. And the second note that I would like to give is this, is to parents. I've worked in youth ministry for over 13 years, and I've seen... a. They gave cookies again. The <laughs> Cookies again. Like, can we bring the cookies down here, people? Um, and in the 13 years, I've seen a lot of issues, but I would say in the last few years, a struggle that I've seen probably more prevalent than I ever have in youth ministry is this, um, this, this danger of materialism in young people. Is that through social media, there's constant pressure on your students to wear this name brand and have this, these shoes and this shirt and, and, and a dissatisfaction with what they have and I need other things and I'm not cool if I don't have this. And, and I would just say, parents, we need to be very uh, watchful and praying and have the mind of the Lord to say, um, is this coming from, from the wrong heart? Do I need to watch my students? Are they are they becoming dissatisfied and discontented and just only satisfied with more stuff and more possessions? I think we just need to pastor this, not just in our lives, but in our young people's lives. And you may need to just say, hey, where's this coming from? Maybe that social media network you need to pause because it's causing you, as you just see everything your friends have, to just say, I have to have that. Like, it's okay to not have the name brand shoes and shirt, right? Like, and I'm not saying that, like, you know, Cut the name brand off. That's not what I'm saying. I think we need to have the wisdom of God to say, Lord, I don't want my, I don't want Wesley to grow up thinking his treasure is on planet earth. His treasure is in heaven and we have to help pastor that in our kids. Is that okay? What can we store up? We can store up Christ-like character. Increase and looking more like Jesus. We can we can invest in in faith and growing in faith and in charity and bringing others to heaven, like giving our life to seeing the lost come to know to come to know Jesus. We can give towards reaching the lost. Like come on, as we sow our tithes and offering, that's the best investment we can ever make because we're investing in lives being transformed for eternity. And, and giving to that which is of eternal value. I love that so many of you over this last year have given uh, towards the building of a church in India. Like you're giving that coffee money towards seeing a church saved. And you may, you, a church built so that people could encounter Jesus. We may never even go to that church. But there are going to be lives transformed. Because people said, that's what matters. That's what matters. You guys okay? So the question we have to ask is, who is our master? Who is our master? Jesus comes and he says, not only don't store up treasures on earth, but store them up in heaven. But then he goes on to say, you cannot serve God and money. You can't serve two masters. Like, Jesus is amazing, he's our savior, he's wonderful, he's loving, he made a way for us. But here's something you got to know about Jesus. He, will, he refuses to be second place. There is no space for Jesus to sit on the back burner of our life. He's either Lord of all or he's Lord of nothing. And this is not simply just saying, Jesus, you can have my life. I said a prayer, and that's great. But he's after our whole heart. He's after our full trust, and he comes. And I think, church, I sometimes, very often, get in a place where I start allowing other things to have my affection and my love. And I have to stop and say, God, are you the Lord of me? are you the king of my life? You see, the Sermon on the Mount was Jesus, the the king, declaring his kingdom, calling a people to himself to live in that kingdom. And Jesus doesn't share his kingship with any other. And he's saying, hey, you can't serve two masters. Your trust cannot be placed in two places. He, he, He either has your whole heart or he has half your heart. And the call to us is to daily say, God, are you seated in your rightful place, which is on the throne of Natalie Amon's heart? And I think we need to ask ourselves that question. We must remember that we are sojourners on a journey, not settlers building a homestead. We're sojourners on a journey, not settlers building a homestead. Randy Alcorn said in The Treasure Principle, I'm convinced that the greatest deterrent to giving is this, the illusion that earth is our home. So much of our focus and our energy and our pursuit of God, it hinges on this reality. Do I think this is home or do I recognize I'm on a journey and heaven is my true home? Because if heaven is truly my home, then how I spend my life will look very different than how I will spend it if I think earth is my home. You ever, you know, uh, my husband Riley, he likes to go backpacking. And so I have not gone backpacking with him yet because you can see I'm such a hiker girl. (laughs) Um, But I do have to go at least one time. That was a prerequisite in marriage he said you have to go with me hiking backpacking at least one time in our marriage so so I still owe him um and and but if the thing this is the thing when I go on a trip when I go on a vacation I am that person that you don't want to be with because like I pack everything I I could be going to Palm Springs in the middle of the summer it's going to be 112 and you better bet that I'm like Riley like what if a freak snowstorm happens I think I'm going to do this sweatshirt, you know, like it's a necessity, you know, like what if like, I want options, I don't want to like pre-think all my outfits, I want options because I might not feel like those jeans, any ladies or men say amen. Backpacking is very different, backpacking is everything you're going to need and you're going to carry on your back. So you think very intentionally, do I actually need that? Do I actually want that? Is this of necessity because you know I'm on a journey and everything I need I have to take with me? And I think sometimes we can think we're just collecting and moving houses and when you move to a new house, you pack everything. But when you go to backpack, you pack only what's essential. And I think on this earth, we must remember what, I'm on a journey. And there's going to be some things i got to leave behind. There's going to be some relationships I might need to leave behind. There's going to be some possessions that I don't need to give myself to. I might need to pursue some different things. Because I'm a a sojourner on a journey, not a settler building a homestead. What's essential on this journey? We have to check our heart. And say, what and who am I seeking? Jesus comes and he says, Seek first the kingdom of heaven. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added. And I would propose that we, as a church, we take the three T's test. The three T's test. And asking the Lord, am I seeking you first in my time, in my treasure, and in my talents? Jesus, are you first And how my time, and how I spend my time in seeking you daily and in my schedule, would anybody look at my calendar and say, God is first in your life? If someone looked at my checkbook and looked at my bank bank account, would they see God is first, that generosity and building his kingdom and giving to his house and that he is first in my treasure? And if they looked at the gifts God's put in my life, would they lie dormant? Or they see someone who says, all that I am is given to you, God. I'll use my gifts. I'm a builder. I'll build. I'm a singer. I'll sing. I'm an organizer. I'll organize. I'm an administrator. I'll administrate. I'm an engineer. I'll engineer. Like, could people look at our lives and say, your talents are first given to God in seeking Him? What about our kids? Or those closest to us? I would encourage you to take this test with them. Don't Don't prep them. Be like, Jesus is Lord of all of me. Where do you think is first in my life? Don't don't, don't prep them. But sit down with your kids or sit down with your closest friends and say, when you look at my time and you look at my treasure and you look at my talents, what's first? Would Wesley look at my life and go, well, mom, I think maybe coffee's up there. (laughs) Probably. Take the test. Riley and I do two heart checks. And I would love to hear your guys, the different ones of you. you, But but for us, two checks in our heart in this area of seeking God first. One is how quick is our generosity? I find that sometimes when my heart is not seeking God first and it's not in the right place, generosity comes slower. What do I mean? Is that we cling to the bucks, you know, and it's like prying my dead fingers off of blessing someone or giving fast and meeting a need and so we do a check is 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 generosity slow how do we give get out of it we give our way out okay god like help us what need do we need to be met like when you hear a need when someone says hey like like Give your tithes, or here's a need that you can meet in the church. Is your first thought, that's someone else's job, or is the first thought, Lord, how can I be used? Give your way out of that. Does that make sense? Like, let there be a quick reaction, a quick response. When you see someone in front of you that you could bless with the coffee and you feel God working in your heart, like, just give your way out of clinging. The second heart check that we do and, and we try to do is go with the highest conviction, And so as we're seeking the Lord and seeking to walk in his ways, if if one of us feels a check about watching that movie or feels a check about pursuing that thing, we go with the highest conviction. We don't try to talk, you know, someone says, I don't feel like we should do that. And we don't try to talk each other out of that. We just say highest conviction wins. It's a heart check. It's a safety balance. So if we feel God saying give this much and the other spouse feels a little higher, we go with the highest conviction. We, we feel like how should we spend our time, let's err on the side of generosity and blessing people, and we go with the highest, those are just some practical heart checks. Maybe you have a heart check that you just, you, you and your, you have people in your life who you say, okay, where is my heart at? What am I seeking? Am I giving my best? How do we do this? How do we ask these questions and honestly assess if Jesus and his kingdom are what we seek first and above all else? I think one is we recognize that when Jesus is first and pursuing his kingdom, our life questions change. The questions we ask in life change. They go from accumulation and me, 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 me. They, go, they shift to building God's kingdom and his purposes first. Questions like this change, and we have some examples on the screen that'll go up. Questions like, is this the job and career that I can most bring glory to God through and be effective to reach the lost? Questions like, is this promotion worth taking if it will take me from the church and city God has called me to? So I think when we're seeking God first, money is not our first motivation. God is our first motivation. And saying, is it worth uprooting my students from their youth ministry and their church and leaving the city God has planted me in to get a bigger paycheck? Because that paycheck... Won't make it to heaven, but transformed young people will make it to heaven. And so your, your questions change, and the, the, the questions shift in our heart. Questions all of a sudden as, how can we as an individual or as a family live missional this week? Like, what can we do as, a, as friends and as family members to, to meet people's needs and to bring them closer to Jesus? Uh, things like... How could we open our home to be a place for biblical hospitality? I think about Josh and Rob Robin Irons, and, and, and they were getting ready to launch a connect group in their home. And they not only reorganized their entire living room to, to be conducive, not for uh, necessarily their comfort, but conducive so people could gather in their house and, and, and be in an awesome connect group and have space to sit and eat. And they even went and bought a couch so they had a special connect group couch so people could be comfortable in it. And they thought differently and I think that's kingdom thinking. Like how can my home be conducive to serve others for the glory of God? Uh, we, kingdom questions switched to are my hobbies and, or vacations pulling me from being an active part of God's house and reaching those around me? Kingdom questions look like, would making this purchase make us so financially strapped that we couldn't uh, give like we want to give? Like, yeah, maybe you can on paper pencil out buying that boat, but would it all of a sudden cause you from being able to meet the needs God's called you to meet? Perhaps, and I'll just read a couple more, it would look like as a young adult, in your teens, and your 20s, maybe even early 30s, saying, would I consider giving a year of my life to an intentional discipleship internship like Zoe interns and then head in after a year, two years, or three years and then go into university and seek to be missional in reaching that university for Jesus? Maybe it looks like, what if we didn't just take normal vacations but could make it a missional piece for our family? I think about the Kellys and the Nicolichias and recently they went on a vacation to Mexico, and the first week was just pure vacation, and, and I'm sure it was terrible and horrible. <laughs> we were all jealous, you know. And intentionally, Skylar and Jamie, they decided to take a second week in Mexico and drive their family uh, to La Paz to be with their church there, Joy Church La Paz, and for a week with their kids. They served that church, and they cleaned the missionary house, and they painted, and they were showing their, their their kids, like, this is what it's all about. God blessed us with a great vacation. That's awesome. God's good. His blessings are great, but we're also a missional family, and we bless others, and we serve others. And, and, and I think what right now, my, my seven-year-old niece is in Mexico serving on a mission trip with her mom and dad. And you know what? She's probably not doing, like, the awesomest stuff. She might even be getting in the way a little bit, but you know what she's seeing? She's seeing kingdom life. She's seeing we live not just for our needs, but to reach the world around us. Life questions change when we're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What would it look like? If we want to know what it looks like to seek first the kingdom, we just have to follow Jesus and do what he did because he showed us exactly what it looked like. So here's where we start landing. The one who has my trust is the one whom I will seek Jesus comes and he's talking about the Gentiles the unbelievers they're so consumed by the needs around them and God doesn't dismiss you know what I'm thankful about the Lord is that you no know, thank for a lot of things but God didn't say how dumb that they care about all that stuff like you don't need, like, you don't, you don't need clothes. Jesus didn't say you don't need clothes, you don't need food, you don't need a house. That's not what he answered. He says the Father already knows that. He's already, he already is aware of your needs. But Jesus brings us into focus and to recognize a few things. Those should not dominate our thoughts. Fear should not be what we trust in. The pursuit of more shouldn't be what we trust in. But he says that we don't have to worry because the Father cares deeply for us. That we can trust in someone bigger and better and stronger and who owns the whole universe, the one, the creator of the earth, that we can fully trust the living God who cares and already knows what we need. You've got to know that he cares for you on the journey. He carries you on the journey and he already knows what you need. When I go on a trip with Wesley, Wesley does not worry. I hope mom got what I need. I hope dad packed my stuff. He just goes on the journey and we make sure everything he needs already there before he ever would know he ever needed it. How much more does the Father in heaven know what you need? He already knows you need that job promotion. He already knows you need that spouse. He already knows you need wisdom in that situation. He already knows you need freedom from fear. He already knows, and he knows exactly what to pack. Then all of a sudden you open up, and you open up your snack pack, and you're like, Mom, Mom snuck in some Oreos. Dad, Dad snuck in a Snickers bar. I didn't even know I needed a Snickers, you know, but he knew I was going to need to take a break, <laughs> have a Snickers. He knew it. He cares about you on the journey. He knows what to pack for the journey, but he also, he also will surprise you on the journey. And his surprises are good surprises. Sometimes they're uncomfortable. Sometimes they don't look like the way we wanted, but his surprises are good. And I remember as the band comes out here, about four and a half years ago. I was in my mid-20s and um, mid to upper 20s, I won't give away, I'm 31, and um, my brother Gino tried to say I was 33 the other day, I'm like, tch, tch, no way. And I, I, wasn't, I wasn't married and there was no one on the horizon and I didn't know, and um, and I had prayed to God, like I'd made my case known to the Lord. You know, how many of you guys have some cases with God? You're like, Lord, you know I need this. I'm just reminding you. <laughs> and, um, and, and I kind of come to this point where I thought, maybe God, uh, maybe, maybe you want me to just seek you single for the rest of my life. Like maybe my life is best used to not have a spouse. And, and I remember it was about the end of April, And uh, I was flying to Spain to go on a a ministry trip there. And I had just gotten done leading worship at this small event. And there was a group of pastors from all over the country. And I left and um, had nobody on my horizons. And I remember they said after worship, they were like, all right, get in small circles and just encourage one another, pray for one another. And I get in a circle with a, a, a pastor, a leader from Italy and this pastor doesn't know me, and he starts, we're just praying for one another, and he says, Natalie, uh, God just wants you to know that he's, he's getting ready to answer or give you the secret desires of your heart. And, and he ends there. And I'm like, Lord, how secret are these desires? Do I know them? <laughs> and I get on a plane about a week later, and I fly home to Medford, and or fly home, and I drive into Medford. And come to church, and I preached that night. And that night, my future husband, Mr. Riley Amen, would walk in the doors, and I would meet him for the very first time. God surprised you on the journey. He, he, he says, just seek me. Give the best of your gifts. Give, give. Serve your guts out. You can't out-serve in God's house. Like, just give everything. Like, give your time. Give your, give your life to, to my kingdom. Like, that will not be wasted. Don't worry. The Father's got you. He knows how to get you your husband. He knows how to get you that job. He knows how to get you in the position to, 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 do the, to fulfill the mission and purposes of God on your life. He knows how to take care of your kids. He know, he's with you. And I remember a couple months after I met Riley and we got together and I remember one day just sitting on, on the patio at my parents' house and I had my guitar and I was just so humbled by the beauty of God, the kindness of God, the Father who cares. And I remember there this song came out of my heart and the words just began to sing, You—that's I have the wrong key going on, but you can have it all, God. This life I have is yours. God, you can have it all. This life I have is yours. You're worthy of it all. I was so humbled in that moment as I knew God. This gift of Riley is so much better. I couldn't manufacture this blessing. I couldn't create this blessing. I couldn't have figured it out on my own. But as I just sought Jesus and his kingdom, God says, I'll get you what you need on the journey. You need courage? I'll get you some courage. You need hope? I'll get you some hope. You need provision? Don't worry about it. He's with you on the journey. Our job is to not worry and to seek his kingdom above all else, to live for what matters. If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes, I I would ask us this morning, church, who has our trust? Would, Would we be reminded this morning that there is a Father in heaven who knows us, who loves us, And he's got everything already figured out. He knows what we need. We can, without hesitation or reservation, throw our entire lives into his hand, pursuing his heart, his kingdom, his purposes. He's a good father. Some of you came to this place and you need to know that this father, he loves you so deeply. Our father God, he... He sent his only son, Jesus, to come for you and I. The Bible says while we were enemies, the Christ came and he died for us. That God cared so deeply that he made a way for you and I, who were far from God, to have access through faith to receive him. And I'm here to tell you that God loves you, he cares about you, and that he would even bring you to this place to remind you of his love, to show you his love. And if you say this morning, Natalie, I, I need Jesus to save me. I, I, I'm, I'm so far from God, but, but if he will receive me, if he'll take me, I, I'm all his. And I'm here to tell you that if you would just simply put your trust in Jesus and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you will be saved. And so this morning, if you came looking for God and you're ready to give him your life, I just want to invite you to lift your hand wherever you are. Every person here, you say, Jesus, I need you to save me. Just lift your hand. Awesome, I see that hand, I see that, I see that hand. Every person here, you say, Jesus, I need you to save me. Would you just lift your hand and receive his love this morning? Receive his life this morning. Just put your hand, I'll just give you, every person here this morning, say, Jesus, save me. From the back to the front, just say, here I am, God. We're going to all pray together, church. Just pray this prayer, dear Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender all that I am. And I put my trust in you. If you will be my God, I will be your child. Help me to seek you first in all that I am and all that I have. I love you and I receive your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's just thank the Lord for those people that gave their life to Jesus. (laughs) Lastly. Church, would you stand to your hand, to your hand, don't stand to your hands, that's, that's weird. Um, Would you stand to your feet, and and we're just going to take a moment as we all stand up to just pray this prayer. If you just say, Lord, I want you to be first, God, that we would let these words not just be words we hear, but words we do. Would you just lift your hands, and we're going to just ask the Father for his help. That we would truly seek him above all else, that we would truly trust him And in trusting him that we would seek him. God, I thank you for every person here. We lift our hands in response to this word. We lift our hands in faith. Say, God, we can't do this on our own. But God, we put our trust in you. And we pray that you would help us this week to seek you in everything. To seek you with everything we are. To seek you with all that we have. God, we ask you to help us. And God, I thank you that you care for each person here. You're with us on the journey. God, as we put our, t- our trust in you, as we give you the best of our time, of our treasure, and of our talents, we know we can never outgive you. We can never uh, out- outdo you, God, but you will always be with us. We trust you with our whole life. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Awesome.